Blog Talk Radio. Are you going to get left behind again? Or are you going to promote your event? 
album, movie, tour, artist, or whatever with the targeted radio spots from CoolVoiceMedia.com. Our spots are hot. Check them out. Nothing slams a deep down body thirst better than Gatorade. See Beyonce knows live in performance on her biggest tour ever. Smooth Jazz. Anita Baker. Burger King introduces the new Hickory Bacon Cheddar Burger. Monday, December 6th on Cinemax. We will write, produce, and get your spot on the radio. Now that's cool. Listen, when it comes to promotion, the answer is coolvoicemedia.com. Anything else is just crazy. Destiny Calls, the debut novel by Connor K. Gray. Here's what reviewers are saying. It's an action-packed page turn. It grabs your attention right from the beginning and leaves you wanting more. Lots of twists and turns that will keep you on your toes. Gray does an amazing job at connecting his readers with his characters. It was hard to put this book down simply because I wanted to know what was going to happen next. This novel is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats. Check your local bookstores or Amazon.com. Inner City Strength is a memoir following a basketball phenom's life from abuse to glory. Basketball represented an escape for Dwight Slaughter. So much so that he wrote it all the way to notoriety. Inner City Strength is Slaughter's riveting story. Slaughter graduated from Verbum Day High School in Watts, a school with one of the top ten most successful basketball teams of all time. In 1972, Dwight Slaughter was voted number one high school player in the country by Sports Magazine. Slaughter was interviewed by sports reporter legend Howard Cosell on his popular show Sportsbeat and in his book I Never Played the Game. 60 Minutes anchor Morley Schaefer, John Chancellor from World News Nightly, ESPN, and Sports Illustrated named Slaughter one of the top 100 basketball players in the state of California. Slaughter's gripping memoir takes the reader into his personal life of abuse, betrayal, and murder. Get his book now on Amazon, iTunes, and Barnes & Noble, Inner City Strength. Special guest in the building today. We have Miss Kareth Foster. I hope I got that correct. You did. You did. I'm impressed. All <laughs> right. Okay. Two two yeah. gold stars for Lee. No, I was about to say gold stars for you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm excited. Okay. No, uh, Kareth, uh, for the listeners who may not know who Kareth Foster is, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm a stand-up comic. I probably got a lot of national attention for going to work with Don Imus after Nappy Gate. Um, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, and uh, I love making people laugh and getting the message out about accepting ourselves and, and embracing diversity and uh, and taking care of yourself. Oh, wow. Now, how, how long were you uh, in radio? 
Um, I did Morning Radio for about two years. Uh, and then I had my own show. Uh, and I, but right before I got on this, I actually had a show with uh, a serious. That was just getting ready to start, but I had to leave. Oh, okay. I'm getting the echo. Is somebody, are you on? What? Is somebody on speakerphone or anybody listening live to the show? I'm on my headset. Hold on, let me take it off. Let me see if that okay. works. Because yeah, I hear that too. That's really weird. Okay, the echo's gone. Okay, yeah, I was. <laughs> oh, okay. Then it wasn't on my end. Oh, okay. Yeah. So whoever, uh, I don't know. You said you was on the headset and you took it off, or? No, no, it's me. Still, I did. I haven't changed anything. That wasn't me. Oh, okay, well, yeah, the echo, okay, well, the echo, the echo went, well, okay, move, move right along, <laughs> move right on along, so you said you did a Don Imus morning show, um, were you there when that, when that whole big controversy thing, uh, jumped off, remember the whole thing? I with was the, there uh, after, I'm the reason, that's the reason I was there. Really? Wow. Yeah, I, because you know what I'm talking about with the girls' women's basketball team, it was a whole big thing, and, I, uh, exactly. I'm just, <laughs> Uh-huh. From maybe I'm wrong for saying this. I thought the joke was I thought the joke was funny. I mean, hey, I didn't I didn't see anything wrong with the joke. Well, the problem was it wasn't a joke. It wasn't funny. Like that's the, that was the whole problem with the whole thing. Like he mm-hmm. was trying to be funny, but it wasn't. And what ended up happening on a really big scale, even though it was an innocent comment, and I truly believe he wasn't intentionally being malicious, mm-hmm. it blew up. It was a slow. It was a combination of many things. It was a slow news day. There was an mm-hmm. old white guy being demeaning to young black women, and it just it wasn't funny. You know, as a comedian, the first rule of comedy is, you know, that stuff needs to be funny. If it's not funny, it doesn't work. And the problem was, you know, it affected these girls way longer after that comment. I mean, people would show up at their basketball games with T-shirts on as calling them nappy-headed hoes. Oh, know? wow. Yeah, it was. It really took a mental toll on them and the team. So it was, you know, it was a really painful thing for them. And, and he did recognize that. And as much as stuff as he said, and he said way more awful things, I assure you, he was truly sorry that that happened because he wasn't trying to be offensive. He just didn't know any better. You know, like a lot of people in culture, if you're not exposed to other people, if you're not exposed to different cultures and different parts of society, you just don't know, you know? I can oh I I guess I, I guess I can see it from from that standpoint because um like you know I listen to like uh, Howard Stern right and he said some very outrageous things but I, I never took any you know offense to anything that he says and he and he goes like you know very far left a lot. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I mean you know listen I get it you're on radio you're on radio you understand you want to go for the joke you're trying to entertain people and sometimes you're talking for however many hours a day. And sometimes your brain doesn't catch up to your mouth, right? Mhm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I just thought it was it was crazy. Well, uh, why did you enjoy your tenure there? Did uh, did, you know, did you enjoy working for the show? Um, had some good times. Were you allowed to, you know, have some freedom as a as a comic? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have much freedom because <laughs> it was his show. And he was kind of the sheriff and the, the deputy and the governor. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I did as much as I could, you know, but it wasn't like a regular morning show where you can just come in and talk about your day. It was actually very structured. He wanted scripts written and, you know, it, it, just, it wasn't your typical morning show. And, you know, but that's how he did things. And that was his system. And that's how he wanted to work. And, 
you know, it just didn't jive with what I was hoping to do and accomplish. But it's still, you know, the show came back. We had great ratings. I, I developed a really great fan base of people who probably would have never known who I was because of their age and their, you know, socioeconomic status and their, you know, their ethnicity. So it worked out, which, by the way, I'm black. I don't know if anybody can tell that. <laughs> I'm listening to me talk. <laughs> Now, let me ask you this. How long have you been on Comic-Con? Because I've seen your, you know, your bio and everything. You have a, a very extensive resume. You have a, a lot of accolades on there. How long have you been in this? I've been in Santa for God, 15, 16 years. How did so, you get started doing stand-up? How did what? How did you get started doing stand-up? I actually went to school for journalism because I thought I wanted to be the beacon of light and truth. Right? I wanted to get people to think. I wanted to change the world, you know? It was a very esoteric way of, idealistic way of thinking. And I got into journalism, and I worked for a small ABC affiliate in Missouri where I was at school. And then my first real job out of school, I worked for The View, you know? Because I thought as a journalist, future journalist, having Barbara Walters for a boss would be, like, you know, the bomb. Um, I did that, I saw the side of journalism and TV and what was actually really happening, and I kind of had a, an eye-opening experience when I realized, you know, my idea of wanting to tell the truth wasn't going to be possible in that arena because, you know, in the real world, you get to say what the networks allow, you get to say what the sponsors allow. Um, but with stand-up, you know, I got to use my voice, I got to be myself, and I, and I got to make people laugh. So it was like this perfect meeting of everything I wanted to do. It's just unfortunate that comics aren't really respected like that. You know, I think they're known as being jokesters or whatever. So, you know, when I sell myself as a business person, when I do my corporate speaking, which I do a lot of, when I do corporate entertaining, you know, I've had to kind of say, I have to call myself a humorist. Now, because as someone put it, you know, very quaintly, the difference between a comic and a humorist is a zero. You know, comics get 500 bucks, a humorist gets 5,000. <laughs> now, let, okay. let me ask you this. Have you ever, um, like, bombed on stage? Do you remember that experience? Oh, oh God. My God. Here's the deal. Uh, the worst moment I ever had, you would have thought it would have been at Showtime at the Apollo. Um, I actually did very well. I didn't win the comedy TKO. Uh, Sandman didn't have to pull me off the stage, but I was out ghettoed. And I lost to a guy who came out at the time in cornrows, one pant leg pulled up. The irony of ironies is he was backstage with his little blonde girlfriend drinking tea with milk in it, okay? <laughs> so, but my bombing that happened was when I did Jamie Foxx's Laugh of Palooza. Do y'all remember when he had that show on Comedy Central? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I did that, and it was in front of Comedy Central TV crew and in front of another guy who was doing, like, a documentary thing. So two different film crews were there. It was in Atlanta, and it was at the Earthling Center. Now, mind you, the setup wasn't great because it was right when Jamie's grandma was about to pass, and so Earthquake came in and was the substitute host. So the audience was already mad that Jamie wasn't there, Right. And because they had to film it a certain way, like Jamie was still there, there was like a long pause before Earthquake would like introduce the comics and came out. So as you know, I don't know if you know, in comedy, like momentum is everything. You got to keep the energy going. You can't stop for one second. So 
I get up there, and I'm thinking, hey, I did the Apollo. I got this. I may be this, you know, kind of white-sounding girl from Plano, Texas, but this is Atlanta. You know, I'm thinking bougie, and I'm thinking, you know, Spelman College and Huxtable and all that stuff. They're going to love me. Well, I didn't realize there were two sides to Atlanta. <laughs> there's that bougie side, and then there's, like, you know, Pootie Tang, Atlanta. Um, so I went out there. When, you know, my hair, it was my hair, but it was long and straight, and I had this cute little outfit on, and I opened my mouth, and it was like, I don't know, it, I, it never experienced anything like it. It's like jaws dropped. Like, people couldn't believe that I was for real. <laughs> and I think there are ways for me to say it was an act. Like, I didn't really talk like this. And they, it, there was no booing. There was no booing. Instead, it was like, you know, there's about 3,500 people there. So it was about 6,400 eyes just staring at me with mm-hmm. no reaction, no noise, no nothing. Like, like I was speaking Chinese. And honest to God, if I could have burst into flame on stage, I don't think they would have been happier. Um, <laughs> I had like 10 minutes I was supposed to do, right? I ended mm-hmm. up probably getting the light at like 4 or 5. <laughs> and I got off stage and look, you <laughs> that's just that good. And I was mortified, mortified, because, you know, I'm thinking, you know, these are my people. Why why would they do this to me? And um, and then I had to realize later, you know, it, it, it's not about me. You can't take it personally, which is really hard to do in stand-up, because it is personal. It's you up there. It's your face, your voice, your body, everything for complete acceptance or rejection. As far as I'm concerned, comedy is the most vulnerable art form that exists, you know? At least with the band, you got, you know, an instrument with you. You got backup singers, maybe. You have somebody else's words sometimes. With comedy, it's all you. So the best part is I get off stage, and, I mean, I busted into tears as soon as I got back to the green room. And my makeup is running, and I'm like, you know that sob? Remember when you were little, and you're, like, crying so hard you can't stop? All you do is, right? That was me, right? I look like a hot mess. And there was a knock at the door, and my friend answered for me. And she's like, hey, listen, Kara, you know, somebody wants to see you. I'm like, no, I don't want to see anybody. Like, this is the worst night of my life. I'm contemplating ways to kill myself, right? And she's like, no, no, I, I really think you want to. So I said, fine, come on in. It was two white guys and two black guys. They walk in, and they, as soon as they saw me, they go, we just want to tell you that you were fabulous. Day is a day is long. Like, loved me, got my humor, and it, seriously, I think they saved my life. <laughs> that must have been some experience. Wow, how do you bounce back from that? Like, how do you go through that and then actually, you know, find the courage to get back on another stage? Because that, that, that yeah. has to be devastating for a comic. Oh, it's yeah, because I probably wouldn't even. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal with comedy. And everybody bombed. You know, Seinfeld is bomb, Chris Rock is bomb, everybody's bomb. But that's exactly it. That's how you know it's in your blood. When you get back up on your horse, it's like that surfer, right? That, which to me is way scarier. You know, the guy who got attacked by the shark while he was surfing, and then, like, he was back in the water next the next week. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that with comedy. Obviously not as life-threatening. <laughs> but it's, if it's in your blood, you can't not do it, you know? And that's why if you're passionate about anything and something goes wrong, you can't give up, you know? I mean, you just, 
if that if it's in your heart to do it with anything, whether it's continuing the relationship that you may want to give up on, you know, I mean, obviously if it's an abusive situation, you get out of it. But, you know, if it's a dream you have that you're pursuing, you keep getting knocked down, but you know in your heart it's for you, you have to do it. You know, you have to go for it. And I, I kind of look at it like this. Like that bombing was so massive, so big, in front of so many people, two TV crews, that I probably have taken care of bombing for like the next five years. So after that, you know, I actually did have pretty good sets for several years, you know. Mm-hmm. And nothing ever like that ever happened again. But, you know, I kind of felt like I was just kind of getting it out of the way, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, because I hear um, a lot of times they say it's not if you're going to bomb, it's when, you know, but you're going to bomb because you're not, every crowd you do, you're just <laughs> not going to kill. It's just not possible. Exactly. Well, what did you take from that experience? Like, did you change anything in your stand-up at all? You know, you know what I took from that experience? Here's the deal about comedy. And it's kind of the same thing with life. Comedy is subjective. You know, not everybody is going to find the same thing funny, right? That's that's the beauty of it. That's also why it's kind of crazy that there is even such a thing as, like, a comedy contest, Right? Because when one right. person finds funny, somebody else isn't. So, you know, again, it was really hard to, to not take it personally, um, especially because it was a group of people that I so badly wanted to be accepted by. You know, I mean, my whole life, I kind of felt caught between two worlds. You know, I grew up in a very white suburb um, where, you know, while I never had problems racially, I always still didn't feel like I quite fit in. You know, and then, you know, in high school, I actually transferred schools to be with a larger black population. But to them, I acted white, you know, which I still don't know what that means, not being black enough. I look at my skin, I'm black enough, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was one of those situations where, you know, I thought I'd gotten past that whole high school stuff. But it was just, like, magnified even more that there are some people who, whatever it is, you know, have they're going to have an issue with you. But again, you know, that was, I made it my problem, and it's not. It's their problem. Oh, I so can agree with I that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know I who I am. Oh, exactly. You have to have, uh, you know, you have to be uh, confident in who you are. You know, it's not about the other person. You know, if you know who you are, I think you can go through, you know, most of these experiences and still come out, still come out of the experience very good. Seems like you came out much better because you were able to. You've had this long career, and um, I see here you you actually got a chance to scope uh, the Skype with Oprah Winfrey. That, that's major because you know I probably have been screaming like a twelve year old schoolgirl. So like, that's what was right. that like? <laughs> that was pretty cool. That's I mean, to hear Oprah say your name. And say it correctly, you know. It's not like she was on national TV calling me Caris or Caruso, or, you know. <laughs> um, it was it was pretty cool. It was fun. It was exciting. And um, you know, and the cool thing is, you know, I, I actually got to go to tapings of her show. And oh, wow. I guess there was one of the shows. There were you know, because they didn't like most shows. They didn't like have a warm up or anything, you know. So uh, they there was a delay with something. And they were just asking audience members to kind of entertain themselves. So, you know, people would get up and see if they had a talent, this, that, and the other. And so I raised my hand. I'm like, hey, I do stand-up. So I actually got to do warm-up in front of the, the Oprah Winfrey audience, um, you know, before she came out. So that was cool. And then we talked a little bit, you know, during the show, during a commercial break. And, you know, Oprah is like a goddess, you know. She's just right. phenomenal. That is, she's my hero, yeah. man. They would have to get security, like, 
get calm this guy down, you know? Right? <laughs> <laughs> what was she like? Like, what, what's her personality like? Um, I mean, you know, when it's a situation like that, you obviously only get a glimpse and you only get to see, like, the TV persona. But she was very nice, you know. It wasn't like she, you know, turned her back and, you know, went off and, you know, to the side and, and had coffee. She was very warm and inviting and, you know, appreciative of the audience who was there. So, you know, it was really nice to see. I know there are other celebrities who, can, you know, may not be that, that nice. But also, you know, everybody has good days and bad days. You can't even judge like that. But she mm-hmm. was very, very nice. And it was, it was a pleasure and an honor. Oh man, that's 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 major. Like, um, right right then and there, I, I think I, I'm like, okay, my career, you know, I've I've reached the pinnacle of success. <laughs> I was here on Oprah. I got to open up for the crowd. I don't think it's any bigger than I can do than that. <laughs> it was great. It was pretty great. Now, um, when did you decide to write? I see that you authored two books. Um, is that something you always knew you would do, or do different experience you decided to put out uh, some books? Well, I mean, the first book came when I was developing a program that I do for uh, organizations and corporations called Laughter Boot Camp. And it's basically a program that gets people to realize that just because we're adults, just because we have responsibilities, doesn't mean we can't still have joy in our lives, you know? It doesn't mean we can't still have fun and find the humor in everyday situations because I think when you do that, not only do you increase your you know, the the positive in your life and, and bring in that positive energy, but you're also making yourself healthier mentally and physically, um, and you're creating an environment that's more productive. So basically the book that I wrote, Laugh Your Way to Happiness, 101 Ways to Have a Great Laugh, was kind of just like a, a guidebook for for doing that, for remembering to have laughter in your life and, and, and keep it there because, you know, my, my theory is if you can laugh at something, you can get through it, you know? Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, that, that's my, a good uh, concept. My yeah. second book is actually a children's book that I wrote called Leela Finds Love, and Leela is my chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a real cute little book. Um, I'm actually working on, on getting it illustrated right now, so... The chihuahua. Amazing, make I don't a know. book about your chihuahua. <laughs> what, what, what did you say, Trace? What made you make a book about your chihuahua? Uh, well, because before I had real children, she was my baby. <laughs> she used to go with me everywhere. I mean, I wasn't so bad, like, I had a stroller for her. But I will say this she has some boots. She has a really cute pair of red boots, okay? <laughs> and it's counted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's adorable. Oh, that's your animal level, I take it then. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Did you I have any it. problem getting her into, like, different events? And you took her with, like, well, do you have any, like, clubs or venues to say, well, look, um, you can come in, but you got to do something with this pet? Um, You know what? She did go with me to a lot of places. Like, <laughs> when I, you know, when I travel, she's come with me. I mean, that, that dog has been on more airplanes. If she could have frequent flyer miles, we'd be we'd be set. <laughs> um, but we used to go to parties and stuff together. And I have a very good friend who started a magazine called Animal Fair, and um, she used to go to these wild events and parties. And you know, and people were supposed to bring their dogs and stuff. And Leela would go, and she'd put her pearls on, and we'd have appetizers <laughs> and popsinis and. <laughs> It was a good time. She knew. She was living the life. 
Oh, well, wow. So she got to live that lifestyle, too. Right on. Oh, what's, yeah. What, what's her name again? What's, what's the dog's her name? name Lila. Lila. Shout out to Lila. L-A-H. Well, did she did she have a fine love? Did she did she find her like a little uh, 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 boyfriend or you know something you like know, that? Or? Well, that's exactly what the book is about. It's about her trying to find love. So you gotta read the book to find out. Lee. Exactly, you gotta see if she. <laughs> oh, that's for a promo. <laughs> okay, well, do you have any coupons, any discounts? Because you know I'm still you know staying with mom, sleeping on the couch, eating oodles and noodles, so. Any help you could give, would, would, I'd greatly appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can hook you up with a, uh, with a copy when we get all sorted out. <laughs> uh, no problem at all. I appreciate that, you know. Um, yeah, so after these two books, like, uh, are you uh, torn at the moment, or, you know, do you do, like, speaking engagements as well? I am. I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements, like I said, mostly corporate stuff, because, well, as much as I love comedy, and I do love comedy, um, I love paying my bills and eating more. Um, okay. So, <laughs> don't we all? Uh... All right, all right. Um, so, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of corporate speaking engagements, and I developed a diversity program called Stereotype 101. Um that's probably one of my most popular programs after Laughter Boot Camp because, you know, we still need to talk about diversity in this country. I think the past two years, especially the past two, have shown us that there is a divide in this country. You know, there's a divide of races, there's a divide of sexes, there's a divide of, you know, people who are in the LGBT community, um, the LGBT, there's a divide of people who are just in different socioeconomic statuses. And, you know, if everybody can realize that we're really just all coming from the same place of wanting mm-hmm. the same thing, we just want to be respected, we want to be accepted, and we want to be loved. That's it. It's not that hard to do. That doesn't mean you have to agree with somebody's lifestyle, but that doesn't mean you get to disrespect them or hate them because you don't agree with it. You know, you don't agree with it, then don't be part of it. You know, I was on a radio interview this morning, and someone was talking about how, you know, people with open arms about Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn. And, you know, it's a lot of, you know, men typically conservative men. And I'm like, listen, if Caitlyn is not coming into your house and stealing your wife's panties, why do you care? Like, Mm, don't watch her show. Don't, you know, buy the magazine cover she's on. Don't pay attention. If it bothers you that much, but otherwise, how does it affect your life? Exactly. I, I don't see what that that is. Um, I, I always wonder though because this uh, in society, I think we've got very sensitive. Because now, if you make any type of gay joke, I mean, you're you're suddenly attacked. You know, so I don't know. I don't know when it became that. You know, because I, I thought a joke was a joke, and uh, if it wasn't done in like you know in a in a, in a format that was meant to be malicious, I didn't think you know it was a problem. But even if people just kid around and they're not even being malicious, they make right. a huge deal about it. Right. Well, you know, I mean, that's kind of the danger with comedy. I mean, my belief is always fair and love and comedy. It just has to be funny, you know? And, mm-hmm. I mean, I personally don't like to use my comedy to attack people or tear people down or make them feel mm-hmm. bad. Like, that's not who I am. I'll make fun of myself all day long. And, you know, but if I do make any jokes, I try to, you know, it goes around the corner and, and always comes back to me. Um, and I think, you know, again, it's subjective. And you know what you do? You have the PC police out there, the politi- mm-hmm. politically correct people who 
And, and just listen, let's face it. There are some people who are looking to be offended by anything. And yeah. those people cross all color lines, all ethnic barriers, all sexualities. There's some people who just want to be offended. And, you know, that's unfortunate. You know, if you want to be the victim all the time, then go ahead. But that lifestyle, that, that doesn't work for me. And, yes, there are some things that are just, and there's some things that are obviously vicious attacks. And the idea is to be able to discern between the two. Unfortunately, some people can't. And that's just, you know, that's just kind of the world we live in. So, yes, if you are a public figure, you need to be careful about your words, you know? Yeah, true, true, and true indeed. I mean, I, I think you know um, that's that just goes without saying. I mean, it kind of it, it kind of takes with that whole freedom of speech thing. But you know, as a, anyone who's in the public eye, you kind of got some sort of responsibility because your opinion is your opinion. Doesn't mean you have to share it. You know, like if you feel a certain kind of way, you should probably keep that to yourself. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> because it's, it's just not going to end well. It never ends well for the person who, who goes out on that limb and just starts making, you know, they just go on a whole little bashing spree talking about, oh, that's not good. That's not good. You know, again, it depends on who you are and what you're willing to risk. If you think this is your opinion and you don't care who knows it and you don't care the repercussions, go for it. But you do have to understand, like, that people may misinterpret what you say. People may be up in arms. But if you're willing to be okay with that and stand by it, then, you know, by all means, do that. It is America. You are entitled to freedom of speech. But do understand that there are repercussions, you know. It's just like that one, you know, people, I don't know if you all saw the news and uh, the story in the news last night about Lowe's, you know, the home home improvement store. Mm-hmm. There was, they had an employee, a black truck driver, who was making delivery. He got called back because somewhere in the South, the woman who was having her stuff delivered so she didn't want a black man coming into her house. Wow. Now, wow. the mistake the company made was they called him back and told him they were sending out another driver. Now, the other driver, who has my utmost respect, who is white, said, well, if that's the case, and that's why she doesn't want my friend, my coworker, doing this, I'm not taking her stuff. So, you know, here's the deal. That woman is entitled to her racism. More power to her, okay? But guess what? You want to have that attitude? You don't get your shit, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And so Lowe's had to end up sending an executive down to apologize to their employee because they subjected him to that humiliation, as they should have. I think they need a little stereotype 101 um, <laughs> their way. <laughs> I should come and talk to them. Um, but, you know, again, like I said, people are entitled to their freedom, right? But understand right. there are repercussions. Now, I wanted to ask about, because um, I, I know it, it, it's been, so I just wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on it because, like, I was crushed after this whole Bill Cosby thing. Because I was, like, one of the few that was still on the fence. Like, I'm not going to convict this man until it's some proof. But when he came out and admitted to it, I was just, like, crushed. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Like, you know, when he came out and admitted that his wrongdoing, and, you know, that's, I, I just was like, wow. You know, because I really was one of those people like, no, it's not fair to, you know, to publicly convict him if he hasn't been, you know, convicted. There's no, And then when he came out, well, yeah, I, I did do it. I'm like, what the... Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's 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 so upsetting on so many levels, you know. I mean, first on the level that you know these women, first and foremost, that these women were taken advantage of, that they were molested, abused, assaulted. You know, they had their lives changed drastically forever. Okay, they can't get back what he took from them. You know, they have to be in recovery mode forever. 
Um, then the disappointment comes when the fact is you realize that what they were saying was completely the truth. And the fact mm-hmm. that he admitted to it. And this guy was on, I mean, trust me, I mean, I grew up on the Cosby show. You know, I used to always. Me too. Know, I, I love the show. I was the hospital, you know. I, I used to say that in my ass so people who couldn't get a better idea of who I was and what they were dealing with. I mean, I say that now. People think, you know, my dad tried to roofie my Girl Scout troop. so it's you know it's just the things like that that you know of course crushing disappointing devastating because this was a hero to so many people especially black folks who you know are portrayed so badly in the media i couldn't you know it's just man it's just like you know where where, where do we go because that's a that's a tough blow because he he did so much. I mean, and I don't want to discredit all the things he's done for the black community and uh, mm-hmm. historically black mm-hmm. colleges, but it's like, come on, mm-hmm. man. Like, you know, you know, before you even started that, that's highly inappropriate, you know, behavior. Exactly. So I'm just like, wow. It, I'm still in disbelief. And even though he said it, that's the thing that bothers me. I'm still in disbelief, and he admitted to it. So, you know. Well, he obviously has a mental illness. Nobody who does that to somebody else is right in the head. You know, there's a sick, twisted part of him that operated when he did that, you know? Yeah, because, you know, the reason I asked you, because as a comedian, I'm sure he had to be, like, one of the people you looked up. He's like a legend in comedy as well. He had to be somebody you looked up to. Totally. He was my hero. He was my hero because, you know why? Because he transcended race. You know what I mean? He wasn't, he was America's dad, you know? He wasn't Bill Cosby, the black guy. He was America's dad. You know, and that's how I, you know, in the utopic world, in a utopian experience, you know, we don't have racism like we do. We don't have sexism like we do. You know, we have people who are treated well because of who they are, because they're human mm-hmm. beings. We're all part of the, the human race, you know. So he kind of took that label of the, you know, the dangerous black man that we're fed from the media to fear constantly he took that away let, let me give you guys another problem i had with the story here's the here's the real problem i had with the story 40 years this, these activities have been going on you're, you you're trying to tell me sell me on the fact that no one else knew somebody knew and for them that and for, for them to just get away yeah. scot free that's not right Thank other you. people need to be convicted because it, it, i think there's multiple characters in this Thank crime you. there's no way this went on for four decades and nobody else knew i'm sorry i can't buy that one that no, means they were shooting on the rug all the time they, you know, his, his agency knew. Well, his agency knew, William Morris. You know, they, exactly. They, they were like the old school Hollywood where they would pay people off or take care of things or, you know what I mean, ruin other people's reputations so that he, they could continue making money. Because that's, and that's even sicker because they knew this shit was happening. Excuse my French, pardon me. Um, they knew it was happening, but they also were like, he's making us too much money for us to say anything, you know. How wrong is that? That's yeah. what I'm saying. And, and I feel like, he'd get, yeah, he did wrong, but there's a lot of other per- parties involved in this that are even wronger and, and should be held accountable, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it should just be just him. Like, I don't want them to take the Hustables off, off TV. Yeah, I think they're going to take it off just because of that. Um, and, and that's a very good show. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, the things he did had nothing to do with his body of work. I love, right. you know, Cosby Show. Uh, you, you know, a lot of things he was involved in. One of my favorite movies is Uptown Saturday Night. You know, so now you want to disappear all these things just because 
you know, some bad choices he made. I know, right? I mean, if anything, just make sure Leonard Part Six doesn't ever get seen again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, I can see certain things, but yeah, they they basically uh, you know, ruined this man's. You know, just you know, took him from you know, just being right, just being this this superhero to just being like. One of the worst people that people, you know, when you think of his name, is, is that in a positive way. Kind of like what happened with Michael, you know? You, you, yeah. you didn't think of him in a positive way, and then all of a sudden he died. And it was just right. like, you know. And I thought that was wrong, well, too. About, Everybody came out with all this love for Michael, and I'm like, people were hating this right, guy's guts right, right. Before, before he passed away. What do you mean you love him now? Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Well, what about his wife, Bill Cosby's wife? Don't y'all think that she knew about it? Oh, that's, you know, that's, that's interesting. That's a really good question. That's a, cause some people are saying she did. But then, like, you know, there was a quote, you know, somebody said that she came out saying that, you know, she had no idea or that these women were willing participants. And this is a bright lady. Like, she's not, you know, mm-hmm. a little trophy wife. They've been together for years. She's an incredibly intelligent woman. She's an educator. She has her legitimate PhD. You know what I mean? So she's not dumb. But it's just like... You know, I have a friend, and I'm obviously not going to disclose names, whose husband is a former addict. And every time I would see them, when I go visit back home, he was worse and worse. And I, I'm like, what is going on with that? I never said anything. And then, you know, she, she wrote me a couple weeks ago saying they were getting a divorce, that he was back doing meth again. And I'm like, oh, God, I could have told you that. And she's like, I feel so stupid because I didn't see it. But I think you also, when you're that close to it, you you see mm-hmm. what you want to see. Oh, yeah, you know? exactly. You're blind. You're blind. You can't see the situation until you step thing. outside of it. You you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can be in a situation and somebody's on the outside trying to tell you, but you can't see it until you get out of that situation and look That's from the outside in. Because you don't want to believe it. Exactly. Who wants to believe there's such a serial rapist? Nobody. Exactly. I don't, Nobody. I don't think she knows because I think it was like two separate lives. Obviously, she he wasn't doing those activities anywhere around her. You know what I mean? Right. So how would right. she know what's going on at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning in a hotel right. room when you're out of town? Right. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants to think the father of their, what is it, six children, five children, you know? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to think that about their spouse. Nobody. Never. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I don't think anyone would want to believe that. Um, you know, no matter the woods, you'd, you, you'd, want to, you'd want to give your, your uh, significant other the benefit of the doubt. Right, yeah. right. I wonder how his wife feels now, though, since he came out about it. Like, if they talked about that before, he decided he was going to come out about it. Because I honestly thought that it was over and done with so he brought up again and actually came out and admitted to it. Right, yeah. right. I did. I did too. I, I thought it was a, a, a done deal. Then, like out of left field, you know, I felt like it was like a he, you know, it was a, you know, like a gut punch. You know, snatched the wind out of you. I was like, man, that that really took me back. You know, right, so right. You, you know, but uh, I still love comedy, even though you know what I mean. <laughs> does that does that take away from you know the other greats? You know, because um, who had another run? like Richard Pryor? He had a lot of you know, if he you know in his stand up, he did all type of crazy stuff. You know. Yeah, but I guess right. But you know, society forgave him. You know, he in his own standard, he talking about lighting himself on fire. You know, doing going on like drug binges and, and just outrageous stuff. You know? Right, exactly. And he was the one who was vilified so much. Mhm. And yet, you know, he didn't. As far as we know, rape anybody. You know, I mean, with all in comparison, 
what mm-hmm. he did would harm himself. True. Know? It didn't harm others, is, right? Exactly. So, well, yeah, you know, I think that would be the difference, right? Harming yourself is one thing, but when you start uh, harming innocent, you know, innocent victims that have no idea of your, you know, sadistic thoughts, that's that's not fair. Exactly. Man, exactly. so so Kurt, like, what's what's next for you? Like, what can we expect in the future from Kurt Foster? Oh wow! I mean, I love to say it's sitcom. <laughs> it's a movie, but you know, I I that's a really good question. I mean. Right now, my focus is on my speaking. Like I said, there's such a need for it in mm-hmm. this country. You know, and I love I love making people laugh, but I love getting them to think. And I love getting them to have like, their aha moments, you know. I love getting them to, to have epiphanies about how they treat other people and themselves. Um, you know, I have two little ones. I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old. So being mom is really important, too. Um, so I'm really kind of juggling those things, but you know, I never rule anything out. You know, well, how I never do you juggle? How do you juggle your two kids and everything that you got going on? <laughs> I have a very, very awesome husband. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to your husband, man. He's amazing. Seriously, we got to give him a shout out, man. Shout out to, to Mr. Foster, man, because I mean, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's funny. definitely holding down there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, he's he's really wonderful, and we, you know, I mean, we got married, like we got married a year to the day of our first date, and oh, wow. we came back. Yeah, we actually we got we met on February 11th, 2000. Um, I'm sorry, February 16th, 2011. We got married January 21st. 2012, the first time, and we found out that wasn't legal because my brother did the ceremony in Nicaragua, and he forgot mm-hmm. to tell us to bring the proper paperwork so he could legally officiate. So we found out we weren't legally married like five days later. Wow. <laughs> wow. So we had to get married again back in America, and we did. We got married a year to the day of our first date, and um, the next day, I that was my last flaming margarita because I had a dream. And I said, I think I'm pregnant. And the next day I took a test and I was. So I wow. I actually got pregnant the day after our first wedding and mm, didn't wow. know it until the day after our second wedding. <laughs> and then on our daughter's first birthday, we found out we were pregnant with the second one because I had another dream. And I was like, I think I need to take a pregnancy test. <laughs> so I, I mean, the way things move in my life, it's very fast. So I'm, I'm a big fan of and believer in manifesting. Like, you put something out there, you don't, you know, mm-hmm. you stay on track, you don't derail yourself, and you can have it. And I believe that's with anything and anyone from any life circumstance. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, I just believe in it, I preach it, and I, I try to live it, too, you know? Now, here, here's another thing I found interesting, and I, and I want you to attest to this, because, see, you were around before this whole big social media boom. So a lot of people have this instant gratification type thing. They think that I'm going to start today and next week or next month be a huge, like you have a long, you like you said, 15, 16 years in the game. So do you talk about that, you know, the hard work that goes into a lot of people don't don't know about? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, I mean, listen, yes, with YouTube, you can become an overnight success. However, a lot of people who did that on YouTube have been practicing for years before, whatever it was. I mean, what's crazy mm-hmm. is, you know, in comedy, 
especially, like, I love how I see my friends who are comics who've been doing this, you know, five, six years longer than me, right? 20-some years in the game, and they're on a, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, like, here's this hot new comic. And it's like, you know they're not new, but they're new to a <laughs> But people don't know the backstory, you know? They don't know how long they've been doing open mics with two people in the audience and, you know, getting the check dropped on them at, you know, midnight. And, you know, all the hard work that's gone into that. But I think artists know and comics know, and that's why we respect each other so much. You know, anybody who is out there, for the most part, anybody who is on a sitcom, who's got a show, you know, you know that they they earned it pretty much because they put the work in to get it. Why? Because um, I, I like uh, did some research on like Kevin Hart's background and found out he was like a comedian fifteen years before he blew up. Yeah, before oh, he blew yeah. up, he was, like, yeah. doing it 15 years, but a lot of oh, people yeah. just see him on TV and all these movies, like, wow. Like, no, he didn't just do it overnight. <laughs> that was, like, 15 years of hard set. work. Then he He's took off. Doing spots with Kevin at Stand Up New York. He is a good dude. And actually, my cousin was in a movie with him. She played his wife in Get mm-hmm. Hard. Okay. Oh, really? Wow. Wow. Wow, and that's, yeah. that's another thing. It's like it's like a whole community because I'm sure you know a lot of the public comics. You know some of the big names. Oh, I'm sure yeah. you you may have oh, performed yeah. with them or something like that, or met them up with a couple comedy clubs. We, we all know it's a very small community. It's a very small world. You know, it really is, especially for the people who've been doing it this long who stick with it. You know, one of my favorite comics in the whole world, who was also my mentor, um, sadly just passed away a couple of years ago, was Patrice O'Neill. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's that is he was just starting to blow up. I mean, like, really blow up, like, to be mainstream. And he is, an, he was, and is, I mean, an incredible entertainer. It's just unfortunate that it took so long for him to get that recognition, and then he only had it for such a short time before he died. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. That's definitely tough. Yeah, because now, like, I see all these uh, internet, you know, uh, Superstar, right? Everybody becomes like blows up, like uh, you know, some of them do it overnight, and everybody thinks that that's 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 how it works. And I'm like, that's not how yeah. it works. You know, people have been putting in work for years. They didn't just, you know, they didn't just come out of left field. Trust me on this. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to ask. Um, I read in your bio that it said that you were the only African American growing up in your school. So how was that? <laughs> um, you know, it was my normal. So I didn't know any different. And it wasn't necessarily my school. Like, I mean, well, okay. One set of, one school that I was at was a private school in Dallas, and it was me and my brother. So <laughs> we were in different grades. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but I was always the only black person in any of my classes, like, for my entire childhood, like, from first grade, second grade on up until, you know, college. And it just, like mm-hmm. I said, it was it was my normal. So I didn't know any different, you know. Um, um, I didn't really have anything to compare it to. You know, it's like people saying, so what does it feel like to be an only child? Well, you don't know any different. You just know what that yeah. was for you, you know. Um, but that's why I love places like Washington, D.C., where there's so many cultures and ethnicities and people. That's why I love New York City. Because, I mean, you can walk down the street and hear six different languages talk, you know. So mm-hmm. I love going to the park and my kids to the park because, you know, they meet kids of every color and ethnicity and, you know, and I think, you know, that's that's an ideal place, you know. I mean, it's kind of like Sesame Street, but it works, you know, which is why I think Sesame Street is so awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, I love that show. Remember that thing that came out of all the guy who used to do the voices on there? I thought that was crazy. Something about oh, him, yeah. you know, yeah, messing with, like, underage boys or something, and then he, yeah. you know, yeah, and then he, he ended up, like, resigning from the show, and I was like, wow, you know, I was like, I understand, but I don't know, it, it came out, the, I don't think the guy was underage or whatever, it just was, a, it was a whole, but that was about, that was right before the whole, you know, it was okay, and everybody started coming out, see, like, how is that fair to him, because it came out that the guy wasn't underage, but... You know, it was just his lifestyle choice, and it was a it was a big deal, and he ended up resigning from. The, you know what I mean? But nowadays, if that was to happen, people wouldn't even you know wouldn't even blink. You know what I mean? Right. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's like so. What? So what? You want to be with a guy? You're a guy. You want to be with a guy? It's like so. What? Okay. Well, you know, we like what you do. You're entertaining. You know, no big deal. But I guess, you know, back then, it was like right before the whole, you know, it was okay, the whole, you know, L, it was the LGBT thing, you know, really took off and everybody was embracing, you know, people's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, man, uh, I definitely want to thank you for being a part of our show today. We definitely enjoyed you. Um, you have um, yeah. any, well, well, what's the way that so, if someone's listening, if they want to reach out to you and maybe What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Maybe just reach out or, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my website is real easy. It is, uh, I try to keep it simple, you know. Life is complicated enough. It's just my name, Karis, K-A-R-I-T-H.com. So, Karis.com. Um, you know, you can email me at Karis at Karis.com or go through my website. You can follow me on Twitter. I wish I was better at Twitter. I'm, I'm getting on it. Um, I have a, a Facebook fan page, you know, and just look up Karis Foster. You'll find it. Um, and, yeah, that's that's the easiest way to, to be in touch. Definitely. De- do you have anybody you want to uh, give a shout-out to, anybody you want to give a thank you to that may have helped oh along the way? Or? I mean, I just, I'm so appreciative to my family, like I said, my husband. I mean, I, I can't think enough how amazing they've all been in my life. So it's it's one of those things that they, you know, it, you can't do it all this on your own. You know, you have to have some support system. You can't shut everybody out. You have to be able to have people you rely on and that you trust and that you love, that you can give that love to and that you can receive it from. So if you don't have anybody like that, I always encourage people to find someone, find a mentor, find a friend, you know, make somebody your family if you don't have it blood-wise. Um, so my parents, Tim and Carol, my husband, Craig, of course, my two little babies, Savannah and Siobhan, who, you know, are the reasons that I want to be even bigger and better and better. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Well, yeah, we're going to take a pause for the calls. Um, that was Karis Foster. Y'all go check out our uh, website, www.karis.com. Um, it's Wild Out Wednesdays. We'll talk with Lee. I'll be right back. Top on this bitch, 
Don't talk or share. Yeah. I hop out your friend and make these niggas look stale. Yeah. These YSL. Yeah. Y'all niggas be bumming. Rockin' them jippos. Can't tell him nothing. She got on that bullshit. You can't tell her nothing. Talk about that truth. Really? My body be bluffing. I'm hot, I'm erupting. You better cuff your bitch. Why? Cause I'ma flash on these stacks and she gon' go late shit. Don't catch me in no Lexus. Cause that's a pile of shit. And if you know me, you gon' pay me, nigga. Ain't no out the shit. All I talk about is money. What else is there to talk about? All I know is money. You put the niggas way your mouth. I been running kitchen. And I'm never burning out. Boy, my shit so pretty. And I ain't never know. All I talk about is money. What else is there to talk about? All I know is money. You put the niggas way your mouth. I been running kitchen. And I'm never burning out. All I talk is money, I swear to God I'm the fucking man Ben's still coming in, we gon' need more rubber bands I say hi's to the fan, if you fly I'm hovering Shouts out to the Mets swear to God I fuck with them Man, ain't no taxes on my product, fuck on with them Shouts out to my uncle them, gotta buy my band, bitch, yes you can Cash out on everything, I'm on fire to the kerosene Test me, I blow up, I put that on everything Keep that cake right here, y'all niggas stay right there Take notes that my year, I swear to God this my year Smash off in the Panamera, my best friend is the loud man And all we talking cheese up in my city, known for that cow man All I talk about is money, what else is there to talk about? All I know is money, you put the niggas way in mouth I been running kitchen, and I'm never burning out Boy, my shit so pretty, and I ain't never know All I talk about is money, what else is there to talk about? All I know is money, you put the niggas way in mouth I been running digits, and I'm never burning out Boy, my shit so pretty, and I ain't never melt down Hopping out that wet thing, red bottles on my Tinto That's a car note for that Benzo, bank seals on my bankroll Horses on my shirt, horses on my slacks Caught up round Lauren and I bought the whole damn rack Fifty G's in my bag, better ride around with it You suckin' niggas just hate me, but all I know is I'm with it Diamonds on my wrist, diamonds on my neck all I talk is money, so just cut me that check My kids just keep moving, you niggas just keep losing You better check your bitch, your bitch just keep choosing VIP section, loaded up with my fans All I know is money, I make it rain and bang All I talk about is money, what else is there to talk about? All I know is money, you put the niggas way in mouth I been running kitchen, and I'm never burning out Boy, my shit so pretty, and I ain't never know all right um while our wins we had another good show um yeah we got to get out the building um I used to live y'all with positive quotes, so I probably will leave you with something positive again today. Uh, you wanna, you wanna, uh, say, you wanna add anything before we get out of here, Trey? No, I just hope everybody has a great day. Oh, exactly. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna send a uh, definitely. I want to say rest in peace to my to my boy Abdul Hicks, man. Um, just died in a motorcycle crash, motorcycle accident about four or five days ago. Um. The family's put up a GoFundMe account, so y'all can just go and GoFundMe at Dude Hicks. We've already raised about six grand. Um, we're looking to raise about twenty-five. 
the, for the family of him. He also had two small children, so we can uh, help him with their college education. So I want to thank everybody who actually donated. Um, I know some of you guys see me posting on some of my social media. Um, it was a very, 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 very close love. You know, knowing the guy since I was, you know, in fifth grade. So you know, um, oh, with, I gotta leave y'all with something positive. Okay, the <clears throat> the, the <laughs> family that blazed together. Stays together. And remember, don't smoke it all in one place. Now, I got to get out the building. We'll be back tomorrow, you know, for Thirsty Thursdays. Y'all come back and y'all deal with this. Uh, it's your boy Lee and Trey Trey. I holler back. Lady that can own the night, angel in the dress, blessing in disguise. Where hearts connect, you can see it in the eyes. No metaphor for your aura, baby, you got it. In your love bank, let me make a deposit. Yeah, if you my time for, I give you my wallet. Give you the world just cause you deserve it. Never have I seen a picture so perfect. Go, girl, work it, work out just to look good. Timeless mouth plus good, good. Keep it till the reaper comes. You riding for the castle. Really don't mind hoes who hassle. But when war come, ready for battle. I see ya, mama mia, humble diva. Don't do songs, but known for her features. Got so much clash, your ass should've been a teacher. Make a nigga really wanna bring a preacher to meet you, girl. Just in your code of life. I thought I'd let you know. I thought I'd let you know. Just in your code of life. Don't lose control. Don't lose control. Goddamn, you cold as ice. I thought I'd let you know. I thought I'd let you know. Goddamn, you cold as ice. Don't lose control. Don't lose control. Uh, when the rain it pours, baby girl, when the rain it pours. So how about we go to a place where it don't rain no more? Yeah, you and me. Uh, when the rain it pours, baby girl, when the rain it pours. So how about we? Go to a place where it don't rain no more Yeah, you and me, uh Let me take you to eternal bliss She said she wanted more than less She wanted happiness, security Embrace the insecurity, sick of lanes So she said the cure was me, I feel it It's cool, girl, you rocking with the finest To make them like this, you have to redefine science Never go against our reliance Let's take a trip to an island or the pina coladas Laugh about to come up when the sun go down We fucking turn the sun up, it's nothing, just me and you Told me her sex was a weapon, turned around, hit me with a 22 like mm-hmm.